All right, Darren. So very shortly after your playing career ended, you, I guess, officially uh, stuck around, joined the Rangers front office as a, a special assistant to John Daniels. Uh, how would you describe your role and, and what your responsibilities are these days? Um, I mean, I kind of like working a lot with the minor leaguers, and I actually talked to. Uh, I mean, I talked to JD a lot, but I talked to Mike Daly and Paul Kruger probably the most. Um, they kind of head up the minor leagues part, and that that's really the part I enjoy the most. So I kind of working with those kids, and you can tell they're very very hungry. Um, they're more acceptable to listening. I'm not saying the big leaguers don't listen, but you know they're big leaguers. They're already up there, and you know they got a good staff. So I try not to to uh, get in the way and stuff like that. All right, so that that's where you are now. I want to go back to I guess the the very beginning, a young Darren Oliver growing up. Uh, the son of a major league baseball player. Uh, not not a lot of people get that experience, and, and you know, even though we identify it every time there's someone playing whose father, or grandfather, or family member also played. There really there aren't a ton of people, relatively speaking, uh, who grew up the son of a, a major leaguer and then got to play themselves. But what was that experience like for you uh, with your father playing in the big leagues for around a decade and and getting to to grow up with, with him as dad? I mean, I was pretty young, but, I mean, I think what it, what it kind of teaches you is, um, you know, not to get too overwhelmed with the game. You know, don't get caught up in, you know, Major League Baseball. Because, you know, when, when I was a kid, I just saw my dad playing baseball. But it was like a job. I didn't really look at it different, being in the clubhouse, running around with my brother. Um, you know, then when you actually become a big leaguer, you know, I'm not going to say that you're used to it or whatever, but you just don't get overwhelmed by being in, you know, big stadiums and, and that kind of stuff. It's, uh, it's still a game, and you just try to have fun with it. Did you want to be a big leaguer from an early age? Was that always the goal, like when you were a little kid and, and growing up? Man, I wanted to be a goalie for the uh, hockey team. What are you talking about? <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think that's what every kid always puts on that paper when the teacher asks them, Hey, what do you want to be when you grow up? And you see kids write down, you know, I want to be a fireman, I want to be a policeman, I want to be a doctor, I want to be a nurse. But I used to always put on the sheet, I want to be a uh, major league baseball player. And the, the teacher would always say, you know, hey, you get, you know, just in case, you know, that doesn't work. It's very hard to make it. Um, you know, you got to put something else. But uh, I still kept putting putting baseball player anyway. I didn't care. You know, as a kid, you don't know any better. You don't know how hard it really is to make it. So you just figure, hey. If I just practice and practice and practice, I'll make it. You didn't put on those sheets Jared Sandler's broadcast partner for Frisco Rough Riders games? You know what I mean? You know I'm the black Tony Romo, so uh, <laughs> I don't know what they're waiting on. You know, hey, I play a little golf, too, so. Um, <laughs> it so all I mean, fits. Hockey, I'm like the poor man's black Tony Romo. That's how I call myself. <laughs> um, we got to get you that $18 million <laughs> and deal and to do those. I fr- can say that, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I can't say that. You can say that. Exactly. All right, so you, you mentioned that that your experiences growing up made it, I guess, easier to transition to the the, the bright lights of being a big leaguer and, and everything that entailed and, and the big stadiums. And if I'm not mistaken, uh, not only were you just 22 years old when you debuted, but you debuted at Fenway Park. So uh, I guess that could be an overwhelming experience for a lot of people. What do you remember about uh, your Major League debut, not only being as young as you were, uh, but also getting to do it on, on that sort of a stage in that historical ballpark. It's pretty funny when you first see that ballpark, especially when, when you're on the field. 
I mean, you know, you're out there shagging, and obviously you're going to shag in left field because you want to look at the wall, you want to touch the green monster. And it was funny. The first thing I remember is looking at all the dents that were in the wall. <laughs> it's like it's like so many dents in that wall from the balls, you know, going off the wall, probably coming in pretty hot, uh, 100 miles an hour or so. And then it's it's a lot smaller than it looks on TV. It's like wow, this this park's pretty small. The walls, it's just different. It's just different when you see it up close. And then when the game starts, um, at that point, I didn't think I was going to be pitching, so I was kind of just relaxing in the bullpen, you know, watching the game. And next thing I know, we go extra innings. And the phone rings, and they ask me to get up. And, I mean, you talk about somebody. I was nervous. I was scared to death, not going to lie. And uh, the guy that works in the minor leagues now, Gino Petrali, he was my catcher. And we still joke about it today because the first pitch I threw, it went to the backstop up against the screen. Do you remember who you faced to your first – your be- Yeah, it was, my, it was Mike Greenwell. Okay. He brought me into the face, Mike Greenwell. And um, I, was, I didn't know what I was doing. I don't even really remember warming up. I just remember going out there being scared to death and first pitch went way over his head back to the, to the screen and there was a guy on first base. He goes to second. And then I ended up there. Actually, I had to intensely walk him. And then they took me out. So that was my debut. <laughs> didn't go well. But I was like, hey, thanks for getting me out of here, man. I mean – uh. I was like, what is going on here? It was, it was very, very different, very funny. I tell kids that now. I think, of course you're going to be nervous. I go, you, you're, you're human, of course. I mean, that's just part of it. But it, it got a lot better, obviously. But that first game, that was whew, that was tough. I'm glad they didn't have social media back then. <laughs> I, might not, I might not have ever made it. Well, I think you, you figured some things out because very few people have a, a- – three-year major league career you had a a major league career over 20 years uh and a big part of that was spent pitching during the the height of the steroid era and i I guess i'm curious for not only that you pitched your home ballpark when you were with the rangers this was at the peak of the ballpark being a hitter's park i mean the jet stream was in full effect not only that but you got you had guys who were hitting balls further than they ever had uh, with muscles popping out of their jerseys. And I guess I'm, I'm curious, for you as a pitcher, what was that like? What was that like pitching with uh, against those sorts of disadvantages and, and having to do that as you were trying to establish yourself as a big leaguer? I mean, you know, at first when you hear about it, you know, you get kind of mad because you were facing guys that were on steroids. But then once you kind of sit back and really think about it, I mean, granted, I did pitch against some guys that were uh, – you know, we're taking illegal drugs. But on the other hand, there was guys on my team that were doing the same thing. So I benefited from them scoring a bunch of runs, you know, to get me wins. Granted, the ERA might have been bloated a little bit. But, you know, I always see guys complain about, oh, I had a pitch in the steroid area. And guys were, um, you know, but but they had guys in their team that were scoring a bunch of runs and hitting home runs at a ballpark, too, to make their numbers a little bit better as a pitcher, too. So it's kind of a give and take. Um, you know, it, it – it was what it was back then. I'm glad I didn't have to take it and have to answer questions about it. But it was, uh, you know, definitely a tough part of the game that that happened. But it's, you know, it's it's kind of tough. I mean, and obviously a lot of guys that did take it, um, some of them have some health problems now, which, uh, which I mean, that's what they get. So eventually it's going to catch up with you down the road. Now, one of the other notches on your belt, you – were the first pitcher to to pitch in an interleague game. I remember very vaguely because I was young the the build up and the the excitement 
I guess some people weren't so excited about it. They didn't like the idea of interleague play, but I think a lot of people were. It was an opportunity for fans to see different teams and different players than they previously were able to. Uh, what do you remember about that as a player? What was the buildup? What was the excitement like uh, of interleague play becoming a thing and, and I guess, your role and being a part of it? Well, first of all, let's be honest, Jerry. You were probably just a little baby still burping on your mommy's <laughs> back. I, I remember you watching 30-minute episodes of SportsCenter. That's how long ago it was. <laughs> hey, uh, it, was, um, it, was, it was weird. I mean, it was very weird. The, the fact that we had to play the Giants on top of that, that didn't help matters. You know, Barry Bonds in the lineup. Thanks a lot for that. But um, I, I think, guys, people were complaining about it, but I think it ended up being a good thing. And... Um, you know, I, I kind of enjoyed it. You know, you get to see different ballparks, play against different guys. Uh, I don't think it take, it doesn't really take away from the World Series because you only play the teams, you know, for, for three days. It wasn't like you play a, a big set unless it's like an interstate rival like the Astros back in the day. But I, I, think, um, I think it was great. And I think what they should do now, they should let the pitchers hit to kind of spice it up a little bit. But that's just me being a, a pitcher that who likes to hit. I don't have. What were your hitting numbers? Did Man, you, you need to look at that. I'm not even going to tell you. Just Google it. Well, good or bad? Yeah, you'd be quite impressed. Okay. Uh, I, always shoot, I always shoot you straight, Jerry. Even though I climb around a lot, but I always shoot you straight. Were you who? Okay, so I remember Bobby Witt was a good hitter, right? Yes. Okay. Did you guys have any sort of like internal? Uh, competitions or, or bets as to, you know, if, hey, if you got a hit, you got this. Do you remember anything like that? Because I know you pitchers always think you can hit, and I imagine once you got the opportunity, I'm sure there was definitely smack talk or something that went down. You can't really do it too much in American League because you don't play enough games against the National League teams. But when you're in the National League, where I was for a few years, um, we definitely had games going on. You know, for, for a sack bug, you'd get like a certain amount of points. You know, stuff like that. If you didn't get the, the sack bun down, you get, like, minus points. And the pitcher threw money in, you know, at the beginning of the season. And, you know, winner take all. So, that, that was that was a lot of fun. Kent Merker, guy used to pitch for, like, the Braves and St. Louis. He was the mastermind behind that. And we had a lot of fun with it. It was great. I mean, we'd be laughing, you know, during the game when a guy didn't get a bun down or he did get it down. So, it was uh, it's, it's a lot of fun. I mean, you know, pitchers – we're kind of uh, we have a whole lot of time in our hands anyway, so anything we can do to kind of keep ourselves focused during the game is great. All right, so I see forty-eight career hits uh, and one career home run. This was while you were pitching for the Rockies. Uh, what do you remember about your major league home run? Uh, I'll give you this scenario. So we had a guy, uh, Sandy Alomar Senior. He was our third base coach, and we got along pretty good. And he used to always talk a lot of junk about, hey, man, when are you going to hit a home run? And just, just always John. And as a pitcher, sometimes you get into that swing mode because you, you're not playing every day. So I'm like, I don't care where this pitch is, I'm swinging. I remember the guy pitching. Uh, I was just like, I was ready to swing. We're, we're gone. So it was first pitch. And I hit it and went straight away to center field. And I remember one of the uh, guys in the pen jumped in the uh, – got it for me and went in the pond in the back at Colorado – and, man, as I was running around the bases, I was like, man, my career is complete. I'm also just going. It was already, we had, it was already past the fifth inning, so I had already had the, the W in my pocket, hopefully. And I was like, I'm, I'm good. Let's go ahead and take the uni off, and I'm done for tonight, guys. <laughs> Did you, you still have the ball? 
So I got the ball, the video, I got it all, man. Are you kidding me? Come on. I like hitting more than I like pitching. You could have retired at that point. Right? Now, I guess uh, <laughs> you, you you ended up playing another however many years and didn't hit another. So uh, were you, like, those at-bats after, were you just swinging for the fences thinking, hey, I can do this again? Or, uh, like, what, what was it like after hitting the home run? No, I, was, I mean, I always like to hit. You saw, you see the numbers. You see the average, so I could hit. Yeah, um, career, hey, career 221 hitter, that's uh, that's pretty good. Yeah, that's not bad. You had 20 um, hits in a year. I, there's some big leaguers who maybe go, a, you know, half a season without 20 hits. I know. I saw Tony La Russa. Uh, a few weeks ago, I was out in spring training. And he was out there with the Angels, and we were laughing about it. And um, it's it's uh, he used to let me pinch hit a few times. Most of the time, I was just bunting, but I was I always had my cleats on, ready to go. So it, I mean, it, it's a lot of fun. It's almost like playing, you know, summer ball as when you're in high school or something like that. You get a chance to pitch and you get to hit, and you get to slide and run the bases. It, it's uh, it's definitely something that I always cherish. All right. Darren, you were a part of the very first Rangers team uh, to make the playoffs, the 1996 team that won 90 games. And, you know, I was I was watching game six of the 2010 ALCS the other day, and you could almost feel a newness uh, from the fans, the excitement of, you know, never as an organization had never been to that point, just the opportunity to, to win a game to go to the World Series and, how exciting it was, and I imagine it was very similar that year because the franchise had never gone to the playoffs since 1972, no playoff appearances. And that was a really fun team, uh, a team that became the first team in franchise history to make the playoffs. What was that year like, and, and, and how special was it to be a part of that team? And I imagine to have the environments you guys played in front of with the fact that this was a team that had never done this for this fan base. It was great. I mean, uh, Kobe Lewis and I, we still talk about it from time to time because I think in spring training, there's like a picture of either me jumping on him or him jumping on me. Um, I mean, I feel like it, it almost felt like that was like the World Series, uh, you know, the fact that we got by with, got by the Yankees to get to the series. It was, uh, I mean, you're talking about excitement. This was crazy. I mean, especially going out afterwards. Um, seeing people, you walk into a restaurant, people are clapping. I mean, it, it was just great for the city, for baseball, for uh, the fans, the organization. It was, uh, I mean, it's just something that I don't think any of us ever forget. And I just wish that, uh, you know, I, I can't wait to see other guys get to that point. But you just don't know how much fun it is to actually keep playing after the season's over. Because you still have another month of baseball left, and you really, really get a chance to connect with the with the players, their families. I mean, you see, like, their parents or brothers and sisters, you know, at the game, at the ballpark, and you just – it's just like a big family atmosphere. It's, it's a lot of fun. And, and what about that 96 team, the the one that was the first to make the playoffs? What, what was that like? What do you remember about that? You were, I think, uh, 25 years old and uh, early in your career and to be a part of, of a team that made the playoffs the first time in franchise history. That was uh, that was pretty special too. I remember pitching in the game. I think it was like the first home game, and just the electricity in the air. Um, the, the fact that I can actually remember that, I'm surprised I wasn't too uh, <laughs> too excited, too pumped up. But it was it was just, that's definitely that, that team right there. That's probably one of the um, as far as like just everybody getting along. Because you got to remember, this was '96, so there wasn't a whole lot of 
I don't even think there was too many cell phones, social media. So you actually, believe it or not, had to talk to people. <laughs> um, <laughs> so after the game and on the airplane flights and stuff like that, you know, you had nothing else to do. Some guys played cards on the plane, um, but you're still talking amongst guys on the plane. So there wasn't a whole lot of, there really wasn't a whole lot to do. So guys would just be in the back. You could actually smoke cigars on the plane. You know, it was a little bit different. It was a, it was a lot of fun. And, you know, something were to happen during the game that day. I just remember being in the, going back in the bathroom and seeing like Will Clark and Mickey Tettleton um, and those guys. And they'd just be in the back hanging out and they would explain, you know, what, what they saw during the game and would kind of give you some pointers of what, what they think you should do. Instead of the, the pitching coach or the manager or maybe one of the other coaches always telling you what to do, you know, the players kind of, kind of coach themselves, which, which is great. All right, uh, Darren, when you were – before you turned 34, you had made well over 200 starts. If I would have told you at that point that you'd be playing for about another decade, what would you have said to me? I would have laughed. <laughs> I mean, who wouldn't have? I mean, like, what? Really? No way. I never thought I was going to play that long. And I, every, every year when I got older, I was like, ah, you know, when's my shoulder going to give out? When am I going to just – give up a bunch of runs one day and it's over, they're going to let me go. I mean, it was, it's always on your mind. Let's, let's be honest. I always call it like you see it. But, it, but I mean, it just kept, I just kept rolling. And I was like, wow, this is a – I guess I'll play another year. I mean, why, why not? And you, you did so transitioning from the rotation to the bullpen. I, I guess I'm curious, what do you remember about that, that first year where you really became a reliever – uh, and were you open to it? Did you did you look at it as, hey, this is something that could prolong my career? Did you fight it? What what was that dynamic like when you you went from being a full time starter to uh, coming out of the bullpen some, and then eventually being exclusively a reliever? It was um, I know I was with the Mets and Willie Randolph. He was he was pretty cool with me. He always uh, made sure that he gave me extra time to get ready. So I didn't really know how to get ready in the bullpen and stuff like that. You know, I would talk to other guys down there, but you really don't know until you start doing it yourself. So he was—he actually helped me out a lot, and it was—it was pretty good because we had a pretty good team, so that helped. Um, you know, the fact that I was in New York that didn't really help, but I'm just glad it worked. <laughs> I'm, I'm glad it worked out because you know, in New York they'd have booed you right out the field. But it was—but after after that year, you know, I kind of really understood what it took to get ready and how what kind of worked down the bullpen, and it kind of worked. It was kind of smooth sailing from there, and I always would uh, pass that advice down to other guys when they were in the bullpen or when they'd come up from the minor leagues. Because it's, it's, not, it's, not, it's not easy at all, I can tell you right now. It's not easy, especially when you got to go in there and you know, face some, uh, some, tough, some tough hitters. Because they're not bringing you in there. You know, usually they're bringing you in there when the game's on the line and you know, it's like feast or famine. And usually if you, if you do bad, you're getting blown up on ESPN or baseball or something like that. and That's not what you want to watch. <laughs> they're like off. They're like offensive linemen, guys in the bullpen. Only time you, you hear about them is when they screw up. Well, who was there a moment uh, where everything really clicked for you as a reliever? Where it's like, all right, I've now got the, I've got this down. I, I've I've got the rhythm. I I know what I'm doing. Or uh, did it just kind of gradually happen? Yeah, it's kind of gradual. I mean. It's uh, it just depends on how much time you really have to get ready. I mean, I think that's the biggest thing. Sometimes um, I, I get that they need to bring in somebody else. 
um, just to see a different arm or something like that. But it, it's not that easy because sometimes you really don't know if you're really, really quite ready to where you want to be. And, you know, then when you go in there, it's just, it's just different. I can't really explain it. You have to be out there in the pen and run out there on the field. It's just, uh, it's just one of those things you kind of need to be out there at the moment to kind of understand. As, as a starter, let's say you, you started on a Sunday and it didn't go well. Uh, it was a bad start, you know, by whatever measure. Maybe it wasn't statistically a bad start, but in your head, you you didn't feel good. Whatever the case, you would then have a few days to to get your mind right, get your mechanics right, whatever. What what was it like for you having a bad outing out of the bullpen and then being asked to go back out there the very next day? Did you like that? I, I guess mentally, how did you process all that, and how did you overcome? Uh, bound, how, how were you able to bounce back after a bad outing the day before? To be honest with you, most relievers, when they have a bad outing, they want to get back out there real soon because usually if you have a bad outing, you probably went like maybe one inning, you've given up a few runs, so your ERA is blown up because you don't have a whole lot of innings. So you want to try to go out there as much as you can and put up some zeros to get those numbers back down to respectable. So uh, that's usually the first thing that comes into a reliever's head. And then you want to go out there to get rid of that bad taste that you left uh, yesterday, get that bad taste out of your mouth and go on a little run. I mean, we all know as pitchers or any athlete, you know, you go on a run, you get hot, but there's going to be a times where you're going to have some hiccups. You just hope the hiccups are kind of minimal. You know, you give up maybe two runs in one inning instead of four runs in one inning. Um, you know, guys going with the hitting streaks, you know, they, they're hot. You know, they're like 20 for 50. And then all of a sudden they know it's coming. We're going to have one of those things where you're like, two for 25. Um, you just hope you keep it to a minimum where it's not two for 50, you know, maybe just two for 15 or something. Or you just have a bad series. It's just the way sports is. It's always been like that. And it, it, it'll continue to be like that. All right, Dio, last question I've got for you. You were a big leaguer at 22 and then you were a big leaguer at 42, maybe 43 uh, when it was all over. What was what was it like when you think about your time as a 22, 23 year old, and then as a 42, 43 year old? If if I ask you to just consider both ends of that spectrum, what are some of the things that stand out? Whether it's just the difference uh, personally and in, in interacting with teammates, or maybe it's the way the game was played. What are some of the things that over that two decade stretch really evolved for you uh, on the back end of your career? When you also think about the front end. Um, the front end is mainly the people you associate yourself with. I feel like when I was younger, um, you know, I didn't really talk to the same people I talk to now. I always said when I got to the big leagues, I would never treat a kid. Um, I won't play that, that sophomore, you know, the senior sophomore thing where I wouldn't talk to a kid. So regardless of how old I was or how much time I had in, if a guy just got caught up, I would always go up to him and talk to him and make him feel welcome. But I'm mean, granted we might not hang up hang out off the field, like when I got older, I kind of hung out with uh, one of the trainers for the Rangers, Kevin Harmon and Jose Vasquez and Matt Lucero and uh, Jamie Reed. You know, I kind of associate myself with, you know, pitching coaches, the older guys over my age. Um, but I never really treated a young player um, with no respect because I, I just remember when I was young and it was a little bit different. And, you know, you just kind of feel a little like an outcast. Uh, some of the older guys might not talk to you as much. So I always wanted to make sure everybody felt welcomed.